This is Ken Schreiner, the voice of the Green Arrow. This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. You are listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. The original Justice League has become a memory. I am resigning from the Justice League. What's going to happen to the League now? We rebuild from the ashes of that great conflict. A new team has arisen. A much, much bigger team. Each of you brings something different to the table. Old friends, new heroes. And as usual, plenty of bad guys jumping up to get beat down. Calm down, and I'll let you go. How about you kiss my ass? Watch out, evildoers. There's nowhere to run. Because this year, they're all around you. The League is unlimited. Original series starring every superhero worth cheering for and then some. Justice League Unlimited. Where am I exactly? Among friends. There's strength in numbers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to episode 278 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our social media accounts, it's Liam. Liam, we have a landmark episode, not for the podcast necessarily, but certainly in the DCAU to cover today. It's all been leading up to this. We, uh, we wrap things up here, hard to believe, with the final installment of the Cadmus arc. It's been several months and years coming, I guess, at this point as we've uh, stretched it out as long as we possibly could. But we uh, we are here at the zenith of, uh, of the Cadmus story arc with today's episode review. Welcome to episode 278 of the DCAU Reveal. And what better time to review this seminal episode than episode 278? <laughs> you know? Everyone says that's the big one. Uh... <laughs> you know, we at the beginning of the podcast, we were like, all right, if we're going to review Divided We Fall on one episode, it's got to be 278. It can be, be 278. No that's right. That's what everyone <laughs> says. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's just how it worked out. And hey, technically, this isn't even the season finale of this season of Justice League Unlimited. So I'm there. Uh, so it's, uh, yep, it's here. And we're very excited to talk about it this week. Uh, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's not light on, uh, on big, important moments. Yes, indeed. We'll have a lot to talk about this week, as we have the last several weeks. And uh, we encourage you, if you're just tuning in here and you haven't listened to the prior three or four episodes uh, where we Justice League reviews in particular, I'm not sure why you wouldn't have listened to those, but maybe you like to listen to them out of order. But you can, of course, always tune in in the archive at DCAUReview.com on your favorite podcast app to check those out. Liam, before we get into our four categories that we'll break down the episode with today, we'll, of course, get the official Internet Movie Database synopsis for this week's episode, which originally debuted here in the States 
on August the 16th, 2005, meaning we, just like we have been all month long, been celebrating the 18th anniversary of these episodes debuting. And of course, before we get that IMDb synopsis, we will, of course, remind you, this segment is brought to you by The Pod Tower. If you like entertaining, funny, and DCAU-themed podcasts, do we have a YouTube channel for you. Head over to youtube.com slash thepodtower today, and uh, you will not only get the entire catalog of Tim Talk, which covered every single episode of the DCAU, you'll also get hilarious content from the Watchtower database folks as they cover their with their podcast, Jump on the Batwagon, and then a little old podcast called the DCAU Review also has its entire catalog up there. All 277 prior episodes to this one, plus many, many bonus episodes. I think we're close to 50 at this point. Bonus episodes. So head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower today and subscribe. That's right. So this is the synopsis for Divided We Fall, written by Dwayne McDuffie directed by Joaquim DeSantos, with music by Michael McQuistian and Christopher Carter, and animation by DR Movie Co. And that synopsis reads as such. The Justice League charter members must battle the combined Lex Luthor slash Brainiac menace alone. All right. Well, now, I, I would say normally when we have one that's that short, it's bad. But the funny part is, I feel like that's not it's not far off it's it's a lot of punching and this, this is our <laughs> this is our grand finale and uh like every you know superhero story as as the big screen has shown us whatever has come before however uh cerebral the story may have been at some point it's got a, it's it's clobbering time to uh to coin a phrase and uh, <laughs> and uh here is this episode and it is that, but uh, we'll still we'll still break down the plot here. There's still plenty to talk about, including as we kick it off with a quick recap of last week's episode. Not the whole uh, Ultimate Galatea invasion of the Watchtower. We skip over all of that and just get to that final scene where Lex is seemingly uh, is seemingly caught red-handed by the Justice League original seven members and Amanda Waller, and then here comes Brainiac bursting out of his chest. <laughs> and, uh, and after our theme song, we get what I just think is this is like unbelievably <laughs> detailed. It's this is one of those ones where like you had to explain this, <laughs> and they give so much detail of to how and why and justifying things and justifying plot holes. This kind of feels like like one of the Star Wars shows <laughs> that comes after a movie people didn't like. Where it, they they they're like, hey, we need to fix this. We need to fix this little thing. We need to say that the reason this happened is this. Dude, that is messed up. I don't understand what's happening. You are under my control. I have lain dormant within you for years, Lex Luthor, subtly influencing your actions until we arrived at this point. Do you not recall my kidnapping you in this very building? Yes. You forced me to build you a new body. Kal-El destroyed that body, foiling my plans. In any event, I always have a backup plan. Consider, how could you have survived a point-blank blast from me, unless... Unless it wasn't intended to kill me. The beam carried a nanotech payload that inserted a microscopic, holistic copy of my program inside your body. 
Since then, I have steadily grown in strength, protecting this body until I could arrange my transfer into a more suitable one. You cured my cancer. Gave me super strength. Your animal protein shell was insufficient for my needs. Improvements were required. Hate to interrupt this special live performance of The Thing with Two Heads, but it's time to go to jail now. What he said. And yeah. we happened to cover over uh, something we, we talked about in a uh, uh, long, long time ago when we covered uh, Ghost in the Machine, the Superman the Animated Series episode. Uh, as it turns out that when Brainiac uh, installed himself into LexCorp's computers... And uh, kidnapped Lex, made him build him a new body. At the end, near the end of that episode, he does in fact fire an energy blast at, at Lex Luthor's back and knock him out. And it turns out that uh, the only reason that didn't kill him is because it has Cal. I know one of your favorite plot devices. <laughs> a if I have this correctly, a nanotech payload was hidden inside of this bolt of lightning mm-hmm. that. The, that the robot man shot at Lex Luthor, and that's why Brainiac lives in Lex Luthor's stomach now. That is correct. Yep. And uh, by that nanotechnology, a microscopic copy of himself was <laughs> implanted in the DNA of Lex Luthor, which allowed him to remain hidden all of these years. I will will say before we let's not bury the lead. The very first line of this episode is the Flash looking at this disgusting amalgam of Brainiac and Lex Luthor and going, dude, that's messed up. (laughs) Perfect way to start the episode. And then honestly, everything that comes after this is pretty well encompassed in that phrase as well. But yes, the exposition machine is turned up to 11 here as we get uh, at least better explanation. There's no somehow Palpatine survived. This is very (laughs) detailed as to how each and every bit of Brainiac survived we also get uh, we also get him revealing his plans. We get Luthor coming to the conclusion that his cancer that if you remember from mm-hmm. Injustice for All that was mysteriously cured. We get Brainiac uh, getting the credit for that happening. Also, the the newfound superhuman strength uh, that he seemed to have when destroying the question and uh, I guess his superhuman speed. Also, when he catches the Batman's Batarang, all that is linked back to uh, to Brainiac's uh, hidden presence within Lex's body. And uh, yeah, we get just it what seems like hours of exposition it is only like maybe two to three minutes but it is a lot of exposition of an explanation as to what is going on which feels like a bit of an overcorrection because we left the last episode going what in the absolute hell is mm-hmm. the going on here and then they were like all right we have to really get into the d- nitty-gritty here to explain away how how and why this <laughs> is happening so yeah yeah it, it feels like one of those things where you came up with the idea whenever they made the decision to not have Lex put his brain in the Amazo body mm-hmm. and to do this instead. It was like, all right, we're going to do this instead. Now let's work backwards to figure out how this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it, like, like I said, I think it's, it's okay. We'll talk about it. The voice acting certainly picks it up. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's enough kind of a fun, fun, uh, interjections from the justice league and from from lex so they they do their best to cover it but yes it is a it is a just a big old info dump here in our opening scene and uh and flash again sums it up by telling uh telling lex that uh it's time to go to jail 
And uh, Amanda Waller agrees and begins firing her her laser pistol mm-hmm. at uh, at uh, at Brainiac's face in Luthor's gut and leaves quite a few holes uh, in Lex's midsection. That's kind of a fun workaround to uh, to shoot a guy. <laughs> um, she but, hit him just in the robot part of his midsection. That's right, F- five or six big uh, big bullet holes, but all in the robot part. So it's mm-hmm. all good there, and. Uh, <laughs> And I'm sorry, I'm just reading the D- DCAU wiki and the, it literally starts the paragraph on the scene off as, having had enough exposition, <laughs> the, the League attacks Luthor and Brainiac. Good, good job. We we poke a lot of fun at the DCAU wiki, but they have a good a good funny line once in a while. Yes, so, uh, at that moment, as it seems Lex and, Lex and Brainiac have been taken down, he of course rises back up, heals his uh, his robot face and uh, sets off some sort of a energy blast or explosion that knocks all eight uh, folks out of the out of the building, and uh, everyone has to kind of scramble. And then it's and we'll talk about this more in visuals, obviously. But then it's just there a bunch of tentacles shoot out, and mm-hmm. Superman's fighting Lex, and while well, Superman's fighting Lex, Lex thro- Lex Brainiac throws his tentacle arms into the building, and then tentacles shoot out of the building. And uh, eventually sort of take down the Justice League one by one. And Brainiac decides that here he's going to, uh, I guess, kill and digitize uh, the Justice League and, uh, and, turn, and turn them into data and then begin to uh, do the rest of that, do, th- do that same process to the rest of the world, as has been his, uh, his, uh, his mission statement since his, his first appearances in this universe. And uh, thankfully we have a guy who can phase through solid objects to save the day. He remembers. He remembers that he can phase through <laughs> solid objects at the last second. Like, just as everybody is about to die, he's like, oh, yeah, I can phase through this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and by golly, he does. And, uh, yeah, if you're... Uh, there's some people... I'm just going to... I'm going to say this in a very PG way. There's some people that like tentacles a lot. And if tentacles are your thing... This is an episode for you to enjoy and watch because it's just tentacles for this entire sequence. It's just tentacles growing out of LexCorp, the LexCorp building. They're like going into people's chests and they're going after mm-hmm. everybody and smacking them in the face and they're getting cut off. And yeah, there's tying people of, up. Yeah, there's a With lot of wrists up and stuff. Yeah, there's, you know, <laughs> look, no judgment, but. <laughs> I, I, I that's why I said some people are some people <laughs> like tentacles and if you do like tentacles this is an episode for you to watch and enjoy that's all that's all is, I'm saying is there like a wiki tentacle you know like there's a wiki feat is there I, I'm is there a I'm thing not, where someone catalogs this stuff I I wouldn't doubt it it's the internet in 2023 <laughs> so yes I'm sure there is uh but yes, uh, John, as you mentioned, realizes he can phase through the tentacle. That might be its own thing. Who knows? That phases through the tentacle and uh, and begins uh, attacking Brainiac. Brainiac flees at once because he exclaims he was not prepared for this battle yet <laughs> and runs away, uh, leaving the League to, to recuperate, searching for him. You are defeated. Any unique information that dwells within you will be digitized. Your physical forms will be deleted. 
Such is the ultimate fate of this world. But for you, the end comes now. I am so willing to wait my turn. Uh, he he uh, actually flies into LexCorp, somehow morphs. There's This whole thing is like, how is this happening? I don't mm-hmm. know. They don't really explain it. The exposition all takes place at the beginning. They don't bother explaining how this happens. But he somehow morphs the LexCorp building into the giant floating brainiac with tentacles head uh, that we uh, last saw actually in the in the Static Shock episode, uh, the big leagues, right? We that was the last time we saw something that looked similar to this, at least. Yes, correct. Uh, so we we did 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 have seen this uh, a variation of this same floating Brainiac head, and of course, it's been in the the comics uh, for for and super friends for sure. So uh, mm-hmm. not, not the first time it's appeared, but uh, it's the first time it's appeared here in the justice league unlimited series, at least. So the uh, floating brainiac spaceship head with tentacles attached begins taking off the justice league uh, leaguers are in hot pursuit, end up taking it down fairly easily too easily as Superman points out uh, well, as Batman points out and Superman agrees. Uh, so they begin searching the record wreckage, trying their best to find Brainiac. We cut down to the sewers. <laughs> of course, where else would they be? Escaping through the sewers is uh, the, the Lex Brainiac hybrid. And we get more, it's not quite exposition, but it's definitely the re- revealing of, of Brainiac's plan, what he plans on doing, giving you a nice reminder that the Brainiac robot, as you mentioned, his whole goal is to amass knowledge, destroy the planet, and then move on to the next planet and do the same thing. Uh, that was way back in Superman the Animated Series. That was revealed to be what his his uh, his whole character arc was, and it continues up through Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. So uh, he reveals to Luthor that's his plan. Luthor, uh, realizing that he's kind of getting the he's he's kind of his minutes are are ticking down here he's not going to have much time left because he's not really going to be of use to brainiac at some point has to try and weasel his way out of this situation and to the dcau wiki's credit uh they mentioned it's very similar to the way that he does the same thing with professor ivo's robot with amazo where amazo is about to kill lex but lex uses his brain to outsmart him and uh and spare his own life that way so uh, as brainiac begins regaling him with what his goal is he talks about how amassing knowledge eliminating all of life uh, the end game uh, at that point his programming will be complete and uh, there will be nothing else for him to do lex talks about how they're they're uh, combined being combined together uh, that they could do more create more lex has something as a human being that brainiac as a computer slash robot does not have and that is imagination i feel like you should put the spongebob you got to put the spongebob (laughs) meme in there he's got imagination (laughs) so uh lex this convinces brainiac that uh he should spare lex and they should team up 
Uh, we cut back to uh, we cut back to Amanda Waller, uh, who's speaking with the Justice League, and uh, they through their through their discussion, they're talking about how Brainiac is completely nanotechnology, and uh, they believe that he's going to search for whatever remaining nanotechnology is available on Earth, and of course, the most powerful one being the Dark Heart, which. The Justice League is happy to remind you that they destroyed, if you remember, Big Laser in the Sky destroyed the Darkheart prior. However, of course, there was uh, those spider robots left over that all of Cadmus came to collect. No sign of Brainiac. My ring can't trace him either. Okay, he's weakened and damaged. He'll need to repair himself. He may just dump Luthor and find himself a new body. No, he'll head right for the highest technology available. Higher than LexCorp? Then he'll go to Starlab. He'll go to Cadmus. Sure, he's all nanotech now, right? What's the most advanced nanotech on the planet? The Darkheart. We destroyed it when your people confiscated the remains. We've never been able to get any of it to work again. Are you willing to bet Brainiac can't? this technology to my database. The nano-assemblers are already slaved to my command routines. With but a thought, they will convert any raw material into whatever I choose. Then we're ready to begin. Let me show you. I have learned from my encounter with Darkseid that organic beings cannot be trusted. I can't argue with that. But if you and I are one, truly one, trust won't be an issue, will it? Agreed. Brainiac brings up the fact that he once trusted a uh, a living being before, that being Darkseid, if you recall, uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning of Justice League, talking about how that that went awry and when trusting Darkseid went awry. So he's not going to trust Luthor, but Luthor reminds him that since they're one being right now, he'll be able to tell his intentions, and uh, Brainiac agrees. So he allows Luthor to uh to do what he thinks should be done which is to sort of amass this uh nanotechnology into a gold suit (laughs) i I, that was his imagination his that was his plan he's gonna amass a giant gold suit from the nanites nanobots and uh from there we uh we know that uh, the Justice League's time is short because Luthor slash Brainiac. What what's the name? I know that they call him something. What is it? Is it Bra- Luthiac? You call him Brainy Luth? What did we? What did we? <laughs> what did we settle on with this guy? Uh, Lex Brainiac. <laughs> Brainiac. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The these Luth. <laughs> the DCAU wiki refers to him as Luthor slash Brainiac. Correct. <laughs> All right, cool. So Luthor slash Brainiac, that is, just doesn't... You figure they could have come up with something that would have... There, there's just no way to combine those names. Right. Yeah. Let's let's just refer to him as Lex. Lex, like, <laughs> right. As a shorthand, knowing everyone that's listening to this point will know who we're talking about. <laughs> we'll refer to him as Lex featuring Brainiac. Right. <laughs> Uh, oh, geez. All right. So at this point, the Justice League puts out a call back to the Watchtower, knowing that they're going to have a showdown with with Lex featuring Brainiac going forward here. Uh, so they put out a a a, uh, a uh, all hands on deck call. Unfortunately, they quickly realize 
that uh, the, the leaguers up in the watchtower are uh, are still recovering from the attack from the ultimate. Hey, that finally gets a mention. We didn't get it in the recap, but we get a, a brief reminder here that that did happen last week, that the rest of the Justice League was attacked uh, on their space station. And uh, I, I loved love the little seed that we plant here, as, as Martian Manhunter mentions, that the transporters sometimes aren't even worth messing around with the, the time and investment. So maybe, you know, you don't need to use them if you have your your home base on earth just a thought i'm just just a little seed being planted mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. but uh yeah so they also put out a call to the other leaguers that were on earth helping the, with the cadmus recovery we get a brief scene with green arrow who mentions that they're about an hour out so they know that time is not on their side liam coincidentally just by accident that leaves us with just the founding seven members of the justice league to go it on their own to face Luthor in an unforgettable showdown. Watchtower, send rapid response teams to the transmitted coordinates. We need backup. That's going to be a problem, Jean. The Ultimate wrecked every javelin in the landing bay, and the teleporters are still down. They hardly seem worth the trouble sometimes. All Justice Leaguers report to the transmitted coordinates immediately. This is an Omega-level alarm. All available members and associates respond immediately. We're scrambling now, but at top speed, we're over an hour away. I doubt any of the others can get here any faster. Then the seven of us will have to be enough. X-ray vision can't penetrate the walls, but I'm seeing a rapidly growing heat signature in the infrared range. You don't need supervision for that. Can't you feel the heat? That's right. And uh, we'll certainly talk more about this uh, in visuals, but suffice to say, Lex is beginning to build his grand uh, grand machine that's going to destroy the world and collect all of its data in one single vague explosion, I guess. And and uh, as he there, as the Justice League arrives, Superman tries to uh, to reason with Lex, but uh, Lex makes it clear that since they're uh, merging, since Lex Lex and Brainiac and the Dark Heart all merged into one, uh, there's no longer any sort of uh, uh, differing of opinions. They all want the same thing at this point. So. Uh, at that point, uh, Luthor conjures up, using the wonders of nanotechnology, conjures up some uh, Brainiac drones, seemingly to uh, to fight the Justice League, but decides that doesn't quite have the personal touch, the imagination, <laughs> if you will, that uh, that Lex has. And so he re-conjures those bots into what else but manifestations of the Justice Lords, even the Flash gets a justice lord this time mm-hmm. uh, we'll talk about that in visual and uh so then we get a uh, a scuffle between the the real justice league and the fake one as uh as the various fake justice league members and slash robots uh begin to just shout their insecurities at them at their <laughs> uh at their counterparts um but it's uh it doesn't quite work we do get uh we do get some good lines here i think we'll talk about this probably more in in voice acting as well but uh, suffice to say, Superman is having a little bit of a uh, a crisis again uh, with his uh, with his place in the world with this Justice Lord Superman robot. But right as he gets the upper hand, that robot transforms into Lex, 
and asks if this is the part where he's going to kill him, which of course causes Superman to hesitate. But thankfully, Wonder Woman's there to step in and uh, suggests they all sort of switch up uh, dance partners for the rest of the the fight here. Actually, Batman and the Flash had no problem. They they each took out their their doppelgangers, no problem. And I guess Jean did too, because we don't even see what happens to to that one. But uh, but yes, uh, Flash, uh, Superman and Wonder Woman team up to destroy theirs. And uh, and Green Lantern and Hawkgirl also work out a little bit of their uh, pent up aggression uh, against each other by destroying each other's doppelgangers. So it's time the Justice League's reformed. They're here, and it's time to take up one last run at Lex. And they all immediately get knocked out. <laughs> uh, they get knocked out, except for Wonder Woman, who does uh, who does in fact uh, as as she seems to have disappeared from the battle, goes and grabs the javelin that they arrived in. And uh, once again, for the second straight week, the javelin lives up to its name mm-hmm. as she hurls it towards Lex's uh, giant structure, blows it up. There's wreckage everywhere. Flash is seemingly the only one who's still conscious other than than Lex featuring Brainiac and uh, sort of taunts Lex. But uh, it's clear that Lex is just so powerful now that there's no uh, there's no stopping him seemingly as he conjures up out of his nanotechnology uh, two soldiers to hold the Flash's arms and uh, conjures up a shotgun as he decides he's going to reenact the very vision that the question had had some several episodes back in Question Authority. And uh, he's going to kill kill the Flash. And as he says, uh, this is in fact sort of making the uh, the prophecy come true in that uh, he's going to kill the Flash and then create Armageddon. You lose. Hardly. Look around you. The Justice League is completely defeated, and so are you. For all your efforts, you have but inconvenienced me, Speck. But I'm still just human enough to enjoy taking my revenge. Looks like the question was right all along. I kill you, and then Armageddon. Right on schedule. No! Are you going to fight me, boy? Flash rises to the occasion. This is really the first time. This is such like a staple of the Flash comics and more recently the Flash TV show and the Flash movie and whatever of him vibrating his molecules and also just running so fast that he like vibrates through different dimensions and stuff. Mm-hmm. But we never really saw him do this in the show before. So yeah. they, they kept a big bullet in their chamber for this bombastic finale. As the Flash seemingly at first is running away from Lex, but then we see he's basically winding up and going uh, going all the way around the world before returning to attack Lex. And we just see dashes across the screen. We'll talk about this more in visuals as he's slowly ripping the, the Brainiac out of Lex Luthor and uh, vibrates and, and tears all of it apart, ultimately freeing Lex from Brainiac. But in the process, uh, he uh, he doesn't feel so good. 
yeah to coin another phrase right mm-hmm. uh, yeah so he's uh he's beginning begins to slip away uh the rest of the justice league uh come come to his uh come to his his aid there at the end is now lex is lying completely naked in a crater and uh is just sort of there twitching uh having had the brainiac ripped out of him uh as you mentioned we see the flash begin fading in and out uh mentions that he's not feeling very well and then disappears completely to the horror of the rest of the leaguers uh luthor never never misses an opportunity to gloat or to rub the justice leaguer's face in it what says well i guess i did kill him uh, a- after all so uh superman flies over le- lifts up naked lex luthor by his throat holds him <laughs> there and it appears that the inevitable is about to happen after all as it appears the flash is dead superman his eyes light up with anger as he's holding lex by the throat but at the very last second right before Wonder Woman attempts to stop him, but Batman stops Wonder Woman from stopping Superman uh, in, a, in a moment that I, I absolutely love. Speaks yes. so much about all three of those characters uh, and on so many levels. Mm-hmm. I got, got, gotta love it. Uh, we'll talk about that maybe when we're breaking down the plot here at the end. But Superman, of course, stops short, mentions that he's nothing like his Justice Lord's counterpart. He may wish that he was like him on this day, but at this point, Luthor will face justice <clears throat> and not at his hands. I was mistaken earlier. I think this is the part where you kill me. I'm not the man who killed President Luthor. Right now, I wish to heaven that I were, but I'm not. Superman, everyone, Flash is still alive. I'm in telepathic contact with him. His spirit is weak and growing weaker, but he's still here. Ah, Flash! Shaira, it's so beautiful here. There's a force, a speed force. It's calling me home. I have to go now. Take my hand! I'm here too, Wally! We're all here! You've got to come back to us! I can never go that fast again. If I do, I don't think I'm coming back. And uh, just like speaking of Star Wars sequel references, just like when you thought Chewbacca was dead, but he actually wasn't. Uh, <laughs> seconds later, uh, we, we hear the Flash's voice calling out uh, from the great beyond and uh, everyone around him. Well, actually, first, Jean says that he makes telepathic contact with him and mm-hmm. then we hear the flash's voice coming from the great beyond saying that he sees a great light a, a f- force a speed force and uh suddenly a small portal opens up shaira uh shoves her hand into the portal grabbing the flash by the wrist and then we get our 
our uh, super team up as everybody makes a human chain. They got to pull the flash out of the speed force. They all link hands, every single leaguer and eventually pull the flash uh, from the, the jaws of death. And uh, he comes back out on the other side, exhausted, worn down, uh, stating that he can't ever go that fast again because uh, if he does, he doesn't think he'll be coming back that the next time. So, so um, there's your exposition for why he never, he doesn't just destroy every villain they ever fight for the, for the rest yeah, of the series. An explanation, yep, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so from there, we get our uh, we we get uh, Amanda Waller showing up to do the cleanup. She mentions that they're ca- she's on the phone with the president. They call off the missile strike, so no nuking of uh, of Metropolis today <laughs> or wherever. Yeah, Metropolis today. They're gonna. They're going to call off the uh, the nukes for now. And uh, it, Cadmus will be responsible for cleaning up. We get a postscript, a lovely postscript, featuring a, uh, a the original seven up on a podium in on the outskirts of Metropolis, giving a speech, apologizing, led by Superman, apologizing, saying that uh, they were guilty of the act of hubris, believing that they were... Uh, the ones that were entrusted with this and could sort of in their own way, I guess, lord this type of power over and uh, believe that they could be the ultimate judges of everything. And they realize now that with their uh, with the the way that the the watchtower was used against Cadmus, that they can no longer uh, be trusted with that. They're decommissioning the, the watchtower and bringing everything down. Uh, and uh, at this point, they are also announcing to all of the other Justice League members that, that are in attendance that they are disbanding the Justice League, that everyone else can go on their own and fight crime. But at this point, uh, they can no longer endorse uh, being a quote unquote army uh, to uh, to of soldiers to uh, to to rule over or to to lord justice over the land. So it, it appears this is going to be the end of the Justice League, but. Who speaks up? The person you'd probably least expect in this situation speaks up. It's the old lefty, Green Arrow. We want to thank the members of the Justice League for your courageous service. But in the future, you'll all have to act as independent agents. We're not going to be an army anymore. As of right now, we're disbanding the Justice League. This is the end. Says who? You remember what we did yesterday? We saved the world again. You don't think that has any value? Well, think again, pal. The Justice League goes on, with or without you. Look, nobody can question your service or commitment to making things better. If you're quitting because you think you've already done your fair share, fine. We'll throw you a parade. But if you're quitting because it's easier than continuing the fight, then you're not the heroes we all thought you were. The world needs the Justice League, and the Justice League needs you, Superman. Passioned, Rocky-like speech. Yeah, it's not how hard you get hit; it's how hard you get hit. Keep moving forward. Reminds the Justice League that they're there for a reason. Uh, that they're there. That uh, when they recruited him, uh, he talked. They talked about uh, the purpose of the league, and that purpose still exists. They just might need to tweak things a little bit. That's all. And uh, 
that speech is enough to convince Superman and the rest of the leaguers to keep the Justice League around. But he mentions that there are going to be some some changes coming. There's uh, there's going to be an embassy on Earth as opposed to uh, lording over them from the sky. And uh, we get a little little brief interaction between Batman and uh, and the Green Arrow where he quotes some Latin that translates roughly to who guards the guardians or who watches the watchmen. Mm-hmm. if you will and uh green arrow looks at at black canary and and looks back at batman and says don't worry we got it covered uh, so <laughs> that just shows you they'll they'll keep the checks and balances and make sure that uh as uh, they see that as their duty to make sure that this absolute power does not corrupt the rest of the leaguers absolutely so uh, we get our we get our little ending there and uh we get a nice little wrap up as uh, as we get a little bow with Lois and Clark at the end, they have a little interaction as Lois is writing an article at the Daily Planet about everything, uh, mentioning that uh, she, she's she she mentions uh, that while she has uh, she's been tougher on Superman, which I don't remember her being that tough on Superman. Like I I didn't quite get this this whole dialogue bit here. Yeah, this felt like it was kind. It was trying to play off the question authority picnic. Right, um, where she kind of is talking to them about the the space laser and how she's she's worried about uh, his reputation and how he was uh, you know how he how he was viewed by the world after after everything happened with Dark Side. But no, it there probably should have been maybe one more Lois scene an episode or two ago uh, right. to to maybe drive that por- point home a little bit. But it's. Yeah, it, it works well enough. I think as a we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, it's, I, I felt like it was meant to be sort of a a capper on on that side of the of the story since we sort of opened this four episode arc with her. That's fair. You, you yeah, I, I had forgotten so so much has happened between these four episodes. It's hard to remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that makes sense. So we get a bookend there of her saying that she's uh, she's cutting him some slack. He's she mentions that he's only human, which she of course chuckles at and says, "You know what I mean." And Clark Clark, who is standing by, uh, nods in approval, and that's uh, that's the end of the episode. So for all we knew at this time, this was the end of the uh, end of the series minus the the epilogue that comes next week. Um, so it, it this could have been the final scene of the Justice League, but it wasn't, thankfully. But uh, yeah, that that does wrap us up, at least for this arc. So let's talk about the breakdown here, Liam. As you mentioned at the top, a lot of fighting, a lot of punching, mm-hmm. a lot of action takes place. Um, and rightfully so, as you mentioned, this is a superhero cartoon for kids. So there ha- the finale of this has to be fists right like you got to have a lot of action this is the culmination of of everything that's happened you had a lot of talking a lot of dialogue a lot of this uh bureaucratic you know espionage (laughs) you know government overreach discussions for episodes Mm -hmm. so let's let's pay it off here with some good old-fashioned comic book fighting right absolutely yeah and that is like i said there's uh other than our big our big sheets of exposition to explain how Brainiac is in Lex. And this episode is hornier than I realized. <laughs> uh, the tentacles, we got one guy and we got one villain inside of the other. And then Lex is naked at the end. Man, mm-hmm. this is a hornier episode than I may have realized uh, before this, this review. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, but other than that, it is, it is a lot of punching. The, the strong stuff is, I think in the last, 
couple of minutes from uh I think kind of mirroring you know when Shaira leaves the league and Starcrossed and Flash reaches out and hugs her before she goes and then this time she she pulls him out like she you know she gives him the hand this time mm-hmm. like there's some some nice parallels there there's some you know the the, the original the original 7 uh, original six and Batman, the part-timer uh, coming in and, uh, and saving, having to save the day, you know, together as a team uh, rather than having to be able to rely on the whole big army is, is, is cool. It's a fun, it's a fun setup for this. Mm-hmm. What, what appeared to be this, this big bombastic finale uh, as a payoff to the whole arc. It's, I'm not going to say I don't like this episode. Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't, don't sharpen that. your pitchforks. <laughs> I like this episode a lot. Does it feel like it felt like, I think, because it always had to end with a superhero punch up. Mm-hmm. Do we get a good answer to the question? I guess we do in the sense that it, it all comes at the press conference at the end where sure. Superman feels like, yes, we had too much power and therefore we cannot act as a unit anymore because it's too much concentrated power in one place. So we're all walking away mm-hmm. and green arrow stands up and goes, yeah, but sometimes, and this is always my inherent thing with any, um, any, when, when we try to, I feel like it's always a roadblock you run into when you <laughs> bring in real world, all the things we've praised this arc for. Mm-hmm real world uh, scenarios whether that's big macro issues like foreign policy and government overreach and and you know collateral damage and things like that or whether it's smaller things like you know twitter and reddit's favorite topic about should batman just you know put all his money into social programs instead of you know punching criminals it's like in a real world, yes, that would be a conversation to have. In this world, there's giant space aliens with ships that shoot giant lasers at buildings like twice a week. Right. So, of course, we need a Justice League. Right. Like, it's one of those questions where it's it's interesting. It's very interesting to open that. But I feel like you almost have to end it with a more traditional, like, super frenzian adventure because otherwise we need we need to show what value the justice league has which in this case is there is no one else you know right. ma- no there is no one else that could stop a threat else and 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 that's and that's where i think it does work is where green arrow comes in at the end and goes yes we need to be here we need to be doing this but we need to be more accountable when we do screw up so like there's a real I feel like there's a real thin runway to land this plane on mm-hmm. and we, and we pull it off. But like, it, it, I think if you, I would, I guess when you go from all of the sort of the, the broad political ideology that was discussed in the previous couple of weeks of episodes to, well, we need to just sleep because aliens and supervillains exist. Right. I could see that maybe that's, maybe that's like too simplistic or too clean of an answer, but then you're also running against, as you said, with the exception of Epilogue, which was the final episode of this second season, they thought this was it. They thought right. they, were, they, they, they were pretty sure they were done. They weren't sure they were getting an, another season. So they didn't want to leave anything unwrapped. They didn't want to leave anything, you know, untied. Mm-hmm. So I also get that pressure of like, 
we want a satisfying ending. And as we do have to remind ourselves sometimes, it's still a show for children. So, right. so I, I think, like I said, it's a thin runway. I think with that press conference scene at the end and with the Lois and Clark uh, discussion, they do, they do stick the landing, mm-hmm. but it's, it, but it's, yeah, it does. It does just devolve into it, into punches and explosions for a lot of this episode. Yeah. I, I surprisingly don't disagree with you. I, I came into this and also I will preface this with saying, I like this episode. I enjoy mm-hmm. this episode. I think that remembering what the episode, what this show is, is important context before we, before we like get on our soapboxes and 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 uh, you know get out our monocles and talk about the highbrow of everything that uh, the underlying themes of this show. Mm-hmm. It's looking at it and saying, cartoon first. Mm-hmm. Sell sell toys and action figures and comic books one in one a like these are the these are the main purposes of this show and then the writers anytime they got to infuse this other stuff these real world events and talk about the human condition as uh, one of our recent guests talked about that's sort of just like uh icing on the cake it's something that Mm -hmm. we now as adults get to appreciate and and see I don't think it's fair for us to look at this. And I think that's exactly what you are communicating. It's hard. Well, maybe it's not, fi- not that it's not fair. It's hard for us to fault this show for not ending with a, like a finale that would be equivalent to an episode of the West wing. Like right. <laughs> it, this isn't Aaron Sorkin television programs that we're watching here. This is, this is a cartoon for children a TV Y7 cartoon for children. Like, okay, they're not going to, this isn't going to end with like Congress uh, regulating how the Justice League acts. Like, of course, <laughs> it's going to be this fight and then the heroes talk about quitting. But the guy who's been on their back about being too powerful says, actually, we kind of need you. Like, that that makes sense. Because as you said, this is these are comic books. This is a comic book world. A comic book world where you follow the the guy in the episode the the two previous episodes that's yelling about them for having the space laser in the sky no one's gonna watch that like not one person would watch that for more than like three minutes i don't care about this guy's everyday life i want to see the people in the long underwear punching the the bad guys in the long underwear like that's the point of watching this show so yes breaking it down into that it's a tough line to walk I think they I do think they walk the tightrope in including that stuff. If this episode ended with Lex being defeated and that's it, I think it would be a big letdown because it does feel mm-hmm. like you ignore all of these other themes that you talked about. I think the purpose of talking about those things in those episodes though, we also look at this and think about this in a vacuum. It, it was things that we were experiencing that the writers were talking about, thinking about looking at seeing these were things that were in the public conversation Mm -hmm. that they were like, Hey, let's include this because this is Dwayne McDuffie was passionate about it. He felt like this, something, this is something that he wanted to include in there. It was topical. It's important that we keep, you know, keep this in the thought process. Let's, Hey, isn't it interesting if we include these themes and comic books have done that 
forever, including, you know, including whatever the topical themes of the day are in their comic books. But at the end of the day, you can only do so much with men that men and women that fly (laughs) and fight uh, computer computers that are possessing, you know, 12th level intellects. (laughs) What what else what, what else what 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 more can you can you want or ask for? I will say though, so soapbox that one kicking that away. I, I will just land that with this by saying I ended up giving plot a seven out of ten, and that is because I do think by going this wacky route of including Brainiac and Luthor, it's cool. They brought all this backstory in. You tie all of this into some of the original Superman stuff. Next mm-hmm. episode is all about tying in the original Batman stuff. So it's really like, okay, if this is the end, we're giving this a send off and just bringing this full circle. We're including all of this stuff. This is sort of the end of Superman's arc. So we get, this this whole thing arguably you could talk about it being a superman arc because it's about him coming to terms right. with he can't he can't use his powers to the point where he controls everything he has to he still has to be a hero in this and where that line is right so at the end he comes to the the decision he's not going to kill luthor and he's you know they're going to disband the justice league because he re- recognizes that that power can corrupt if it's not checked properly and that that responsibility he sees the responsibility of being a hero uh, as something, uh, a different vision than what he had been acting upon, you know, previously. So uh, I, this is the end of that Superman arc. That's why we end the episode probably with him and uh, Lois in the, in the daily planet. Like that's, that's the end of their arc. This is Superman, the end of Superman's arc. So bring it full circle. Okay, great. We're including all this backstory, but it is very clunky for that first one and a half acts, I would say. Mm-hmm. Stuff stuff happens that should probably have some explanation. Like how does how does Brainiac turn LexCorp's building into his brain? Uh, I don't <laughs> know. His brain head. Nanites? I, I guess. Sure. Nanotechnology. Okay. Right. Explain what that means a little bit so I understand how the building shifted into the Brainiac brain. I also I also don't think they do a great job of so Brainiac already has nanotech of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the dark heart, I guess, is more advanced mm-hmm. nanotech. But they don't really explain it because like he can just like he just like slaps the building with his with his tentacle arms and then tentacles shoot out and then a big robot shoots out, as you mentioned. Right. Um, so it's like, well, if he can do all of that while like half alive inside Lex's body, um, I guess that's it because he's like he's not fully formed yet. That's why he needs the dark heart in that moment. But it's like I don't feel like they do a good enough job explaining what the what the limitations of Brainiac before the dark heart are, and then he's just kind of magic after they they merge with the dark heart. It's like the dark heart was like the the spiders and stuff. They were just like you killed one and two more grew out. Like it was a hydra right. thing, right? And then it was a literal heart um, uh, at the end of that episode. And so, it, I don't know. It doesn't feel like nobody had telekinesis in the dark heart. But I guess you're just combining Brainiac's already vague set of powers with the dark heart's vague set of powers. And you get this. Like, it's it's fine. Right. Um, right. And if, like you said, too you... Hard, if you think too hard about it, it starts to come apart. Which right. is why, Which is why, like, looking at those first two sequences, it's like, 
Ugh, there has to be a, there should have been a little bit more substance here because this is you're already asking me to like uh, suspend suspend disbelief within my suspending of disbelief so uh, this is stretching it a little bit too thin here so I, I yeah that's why i gave it a seven out of ten i think it's a little bit clunky at the beginning i think the final act is fantastic even if i don't quite understand like how punching separated luthor from brainiac also but vibrated the molecules of luthor's body and he vibrated the molecules of brainiac into the speed force sure i, I don't know that sounds uh, like a good explanation but i wish i kind of had that explanation as to what happened right. we don't know like maybe they thought they might use brainiac again in the future just in case they didn't want to say he like mm-hmm. destroyed him completely but we also don't understand. It's like, well, it's just Luthor now. Okay. Yes. But the emotional impact of that flash, the flash scene, coupled with them saving the flash, couple, you know, with also with the, the final speech, Green Arrow kind of coming back around, getting back on the team, uh, you know, being Team Superman again. And then that little cute little scene with with Lex and Lo- with uh, Clark and Lois at the end, I thought was really strong. So that brought the number up from, I think, where it would have been if it was just the, the opening stuff for me. What about you? Yeah, so I gave it an 8 out of 10. Um, and I think the reason mine is one point higher is uh, because of the moment, you already touched on it briefly in our recap, but where after Lex is lying naked in a pit, and he's still kind of taunting Superman and saying, look at, you know, look at that. I did kill him. Mm-hmm. Superman picks him up and you see the eyes glow and you, you have that moment and you could have had, you could have had Batman or Wonder Woman talk him down. You could have had Flash reappear first and leave, leave some ambivalence as to what was going to happen there. But I really appreciate that they took a very firm stance. They did not leave it ambivalent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Funny that word comes up later. (laughs) Um, He, Superman, was not going to kill Lex. This Superman would not go there, and he never would. And as someone who really loves this character, that moment is so important to me. Yeah. That he he goes to the edge. He's not, you know, he's not a blank slate. He's not perfect. He has the urges. He has the the frustrations that any person with rational thought would. He goes to the edge, but he, of his own volition, not because his friends talk him down, not because Flash isn't really dead. He makes the choice in that moment when it when he when no one would have blamed him to go the other way he still sets the example and he still does the right thing. And that's, that's Superman to me. That's one of the best Superman moments across any of these shows that we've covered. And I'm just, it made me a little bit emotional watching it today. Like it's just, that's, that's what that character should be. Like people talk about, you know, being an ideal of hope and optimism and things like that. But you know, if it ain't broke, (laughs) (laughs) uh don't fix it this is that that moment for superman i think is so important that they put that in and that they answered the question definitively this is not the injustice superman this is not the brave new metropolis superman this is not any other 
evil alternate universe Superman. This is our Superman wouldn't do that because it's not in him. It's not who he is. And that's, that's perfect. That's a, that's as perfect as it, as it gets for a Superman moment for me. So for that reason, I I kicked it a a one point higher to eight out of 10. No, it's a good sale. And I, I think thinking about that as you're, as you're talking about that, it also shows the character growth because albeit he, it's a different, somewhat different foe that he's fighting this isn't that far removed from when he lobotomized dark uh, uh doomsday uh, mm-hmm. in the in the volcano so even the argument could have been made he wasn't going to kill lex he would he could have just lobotomized him he could have just you know mm-hmm. he could have just just made it so that he's a vegetable for the rest of his life but even that he's like nope i'm i'm not doing that like i i recognize my role is not to s- decide at this point what happens to you that's not my i'm too far in this and because he's inherently good like that's the whole thing with superman he's inherently good uh and what sets him apart from from everyone uh is that he yeah that he makes that makes that decision in that moment so uh, yeah i love that i love what the the little thing that they did there i mean it also shows batman's character also talks about batman's character he mm-hmm. trusted like the reason why uh, I guess we can start at Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman's desperate because she cares so much about Clark. She doesn't want him to do this. She knows mm-hmm. she's going to take the role of stepping in there, taking the bullet. No, you're not going to do this. Batman knows Clark, knows Clark better than everybody else on the team, n- knows, trusts in that moment, he's not going to do it. And he needs it needs to be seen by everybody here on this team and Lex for that matter that he isn't and it needs to be done for superman superman needs to know that he wouldn't do it so that yeah that whole little sequence there very underrated like little little dynamic that's happening between all three of those characters super super cool loved it all right liam let's move on to our next category which will be animation and visuals dr movie co once again responsible for this week's animation directed this week by joaquin dos santos written by Dwayne mcduffie as we talked about at the top um couple things here uh we did have the gigantic tentacle brain robot brainiac as i said make its uh reappearance here we uh we did see something similar to that as we mentioned in the big leagues episode of static shock uh i was just curious i was like all right i know that he was a green guy in the comics for a long 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 time and then i remember like the superpowers slash super friends action figures mm-hmm. the that they had a brainiac figure that was like the robot with the the brain i was like when did this when did this this particular version of Brainiac come about and happened, I guess, early in the early eighties. I was curious who's responsible for deciding that he was going to look like that. Uh, it actually happened during a, uh, a Marvel Wolfman run pre-crisis in the 1980s on the Superman book, but uh, credited for coming up with a design, or at least the initial design hitting the page was an artist by the name of Ed Hannigan. Uh, Gil Kane was also working with Marv Wolfman on the book at the time, but uh, Hannigan was uh, was credited with that design. So I always love that Brainiac design. I don't know. I don't know what Absolutely. it is. Something about that. It's very Terminator-esque, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they did their best to uh, to kind of play off of that a little bit more uh, with uh, with this, with giving him the red eyes and the deeper eye sockets uh, mm-hmm. for the, the brain head here. So definitely inspired by that. 
Um, as far as uh, I, I will just briefly touch on what I didn't like, Liam, and then I'll toss it over to you for what you didn't like and what you did like. But I did not think that the characters stayed on model for the majority of the episode. People look very weird and angular. Lois Lane in that last scene was very distracting. Uh, her like nose kept changing shape and her <laughs> eyes were kind of looking in different directions. It just looked very, very sloppy. Um, there were some dynamically incredible uh, sequences, especially mm-hmm. during the, the, uh, during the, the tentacle building scene, stuff like that. So plenty of stuff to appreciate visually, but I just felt like Shaira looked off model. The characters you know, Batman and Superman looked odd at different times. Um, just that took me out of it in a couple sequences. Cause I'm like, Oh, what is, what's going on here? Why do these characters look this way? Uh, Amanda Waller also must've had some sort of like a uh, lap belt surgery or something in between episodes. Cause she, she looks super svelte in that fight in one <laughs> fight scene. Um, yeah, so a little bit inconsistent as far as the, the character models are concerned. Uh, left me feeling a little distracted in a couple of the sequences. Uh, what did you like? What did you not like? What stood out for you for the, uh, for the visuals and animation? Yeah, I think there's, there's a lot to, uh, to feast on. I don't disagree with anything you said. I definitely think character models were, were a, little bit, uh, a little bit of an issue in this episode. But as, as far as things that I liked... Um, yeah, that opening sequence where they're fighting the big brainiac head robot or spaceship in the sky is is pretty good. A good, I thought, a pretty good integration of the 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 CG with the traditional animation, and uh, the the shot of Green Lantern and and Superman are kind of cutting through the center of it with the with the heat vision and the laser beam is a is a pretty neat neat touch there. Um, everyone kind of gets a fun one or two fun kind of uh, you know visual things. The Jean Jean phasing through and pulling the pulling the wire out of his chest and then going and and pulling all of the wires out of out of Brainiac is kind of a fun sequence. Uh, Wonder Woman throwing the javelin at the uh, at the device is is really cool. And uh, and then the obviously well the I mean the 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 flash bit at the end. It's funny because I know they always talked about um how i know i've heard bruce tim say that he he never felt like they really got a good visual representation of how fast the flash is supposed to be um on this series or at least he never felt like they did but that sequence at least when you're showing him go you know light speed almost uh to to take down uh to take down lex and brainiac at the end that sequence is uh is pretty fantastic and you know, showing it kind of from his perspective, you get like a POV shot where you're just very quickly zipping through all these different backgrounds. And, and then you see him almost literally turn into a bolt of energy as he's, as he's running. It's, there's some very cool uh, uh, visual, visual tricks. I thought they pulled out to, to show off the speed or when he's running by and then all the cars from just like the, I don't know, is that, is that gravity, centrifugal force, whatever it is, just, just, you know, all of the energy he's expelling as he runs past, just throwing the cars aside and all of that and making, making like cracks in the, uh, in the gravel as he's running is, is a really cool sequence there. And then, you know, it's, it's a little, you know, as we talked about, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little hokey, it's a little cheesy, but the, the, the seven, the seven le- or the six leaguers all joining hands to pull uh, to pull Wally out of the speed force is uh, is is a pretty great visual as well. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, that's uh, yeah, a little cliched, little little silly to think about, but it's also it's the most powerful moment of the entire episode, showing that they they needed each and every one of them. The the icing on the cake is Batman linking hands at the end uh, to, with Wonder Woman to to kind of give the last final pull there. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a visual representation for a children's cartoon of teamwork, right? Everybody holds hands. <laughs> Absolutely, it was yeah, it's very. Uh... Ninja Turtles uh, Power Rangers. But, uh, <laughs> speaking of which, I, I wondered if there was also a little bit of uh, what's it called, Crane, the uh, the alien mm-hmm. guy who sits in in the stomach of the, oh, of yeah. the robot and in the uh, in the original Ninja Turtles. Ah, that's pretty. It's a good poll. Um, I don't. I don't know if I did, I didn't see anything that specifically said that, but it was maybe it's just because it's the face in the middle of the stomach that uh, that made me think think of that. But yeah, it's like a terminator crying in the middle that that original design with everything bursting out of uh of lex if we didn't talk about that last week is is pretty strong and then yeah the weird like gold uh i don't know that that gold brainiac lex design is kind of funny to me like uh-huh. like I, I like i don't dislike it it's just like it's yeah it's just all gold with a little bit of the blue which i guess is the cover cover of brainiac's head and then but you've got so you got like an elongated Lex head. So you got like the length, his head is the length of Brainiacs, but he has Lex's face on there. Like it's a very wacky design that, uh, that I enjoy as well. And then yeah. uh, of course we also have the, uh, the justice Lord uh, robot sequence as well, which is, which is pretty fun as well. Seeing that. As you mentioned, we get our first look at what a justice Lord's flash looks like. And of course it's the reverse flash. That's right. Yeah. He, he gets the little red arm bands, like all, all of the, uh, Justice mm-hmm. Lords have those those two circles of uh, around their thing to give them some sort of uniform look, but yeah, otherwise he's just kind of the the classic reverse flash look with the the yellow suit and the black and red emblem and all that. So that yeah, that's a that's a that was a fun inclusion here because uh, you know we do get to see a lot of the rogues in uh, in the last season of Justice League, but we never really got uh, a ton of Flash lore or a ton of Flash villains uh, showing up. So that's a fun little. Uh, easter egg of inclusion here as well absolutely i i will refer so we talk about the dcau wiki every single week it's usually you know it's hit or miss with what information is added there it's all you know publicly sourced so it's not exactly fact checked but i i did have to chuckle there the production inconsistencies there's about 15 things that they list here that's an exaggeration it's like seven but uh one of them, one of them, I was just like, someone took the time out of their life to type this and put this into an article seconds that they will never get back. And I just took time out of my life to read this that I also will never get back. And now I'm about to read this on here time that all of us will never get back. So. <laughs> Uh, let us all enjoy that as I read this. It says, when Superman is knocked back into a vat by the android Superman, he crackles with electricity, yet there is discernible reason why as he doesn't crackle until after hitting the vat and it is merely <laughs> dented without exposing the inside. <laughs> 
So that's the DCAU wiki for you for this week. I will, will mention uh, we would be remiss not to go down the list of leaguers that are in attendance at the end here. Uh, We'll go through them at rapid, at a flash like speed here. We have Adam, Adam Smasher, Aztec, Wannabees, Black Canary, Booster Gold, Captain Adam, Commander Steel, uh, Creeper, Crimson Avenger. Also, some of these were, were present on the watchtower also so they may not be in the crowd scene uh, back to the list crimson avenger crimson fox dr fate dr light dr midnight we got three doctors this week <laughs> elongated man fire gypsy hour man huntress ice metamorpho mr terrific nemesis question the ray red tornado rocket red sand shining knight star girl star man stripe supergirl vibe vigilante vixen wave rider wildcat zatanna and also in the crowd were snapper car summer gleason jimmy olsen and of course Lois Lane. Uh, so well, those are Chen. I was I was looking for. I didn't see or Ron. Back. What's Ron's last name? Ron Troop. Ron Troop. Yeah, no Ron Troop in the in the background. You could have could have had a lot of fun with that, but mm-hmm. I guess they they did enough. Summer Gleason makes an appearance. That's pretty niche. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so uh, as far as an, a- animation, I I'll I will just uh, piggyback on what you said. The the flash sequence is really really fun. Uh, the for the people that love tentacles, that tentacle scene is pretty dynamic. Like there's a lot of fun that's happening there. It's, I mean, the, the leaguers are running away from all of these gigantic uh, limbs reaching out and trying to snatch them. I thought the, the team up sequence between, uh, between John Stewart and, uh, and Amanda Waller was pretty awesome. They find themselves back to back and uh, John creates a giant for, uh, uh, energy bubble around them that eventually expands and explodes. And then uh, Amanda Waller has to check on him afterwards. I thought that was fun. Uh, the fight between the Justice Lords androids and the leaguers are, are great. The, the visualization of, of John Stewart talk about them having fun with destroying robots and lifeless beings. He just takes a giant green energy hammer and just beats the tar out of the hot girl Android. And then uh, Shaira comes up and she takes her mace and knocks the head off of the, the green lantern Android. And it just, she hit a home run. That was a 350 foot bomb. <laughs> She just <laughs> knocks his noggin off, and uh, and then she know. pimps it too. Like she st- stands there and kind of walks, watches <laughs> it with the mace on her shoulder. Like, yeah, she was she was uh, she was pretty proud of that shot, deservedly so. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, I I don't think uh, I don't think there's there's much else that I missed because there was uh, of as far as like uh, the the visually interesting uh moments here but mm. yeah I, I i'd say overall it's fine the character models took me out a little bit i was a little disappointed with that but there is a lot of action that i feel that makes up for it um i didn't hate the the cgi version of the brainiac head mm-hmm. that felt like they did a little bit of cell shading to try and disguise it a little bit so uh overall i went with a seven out of ten uh for my animation and visuals what about you yeah, I'm a, a little bit higher. I went a nine out of ten. Um, I think it is really strong. I don't disagree about the the models uh, being off. I think that may have kept it from a perfect score for me. But uh, yeah, I just think those the the action sequences are so dynamic. There's so many things happening. Um, you know, Joaquin DeSantos. We've talked about his strengths as a director being these big action 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, brawls. And a lot of them, I feel like it's been with smaller groups, though. Like I remember in the uh, the Cat and the Canary, there's some really cool stuff with Black Canary and the way her kind of the choreography of her fight is really intricate. Whereas this is this is just wall to wall. Again, it's tentacles and there's leaguers everywhere and there's so many moving parts. And the fact that it's one looks really good and two, you can tell what's going on. <laughs> Mm-hmm. the whole time with everything that's happening is, is pretty incredible and then yeah just that final sequence of uh of uh of the flash i think is uh is worth it worth uh, a couple points on its own so yeah very strong score from both of us uh not unexpectedly that's why they call him dr fight <laughs> that's according right. to dc and wiki <laughs> all right let's move on to our next category which is going to be music once again supplied by the dynamic music partners for this week Boy, howdy. Uh, Lots of music involved in this. There were a couple of memorable spots uh, that we can highlight here. Uh, You do get your, of course, big battles require big music accompanying them. And I think right off the bat, uh, right after the flash kicks us off with the dude that's messed up line, we get some some like weird science fiction. What is happening? Experiment gone wrong. uh, Background music as as uh, Brainiac is giving his exposition not necessarily i didn't quite pick up the classic brainiac theme out of it but it's the Mm -mm. same same vibe maybe with just like a horror twinge to it um but yeah so we get that we get the big fight happening there's uh there's music that's uh that's happening obviously during the the big fight between the the leaguers and the tentacles and all of that and uh, i thought that the music as they pursue after the the giant brainiac head is revealed and they're in pursuit of that uh you know the music kind of really kicks in and it wasn't like a recognizable theme or playoff of any of the main themes that i necessarily recognize but it just it's real intense it drives it home it gets real it becomes almost the main focus of that particular scene in that moment so um I liked that that particular piece of music composition. Um, and then I think there's there's two additional moments specifically we'll probably both touch on. But uh, did you did you have anything uh, that that stood out to you maybe other than the uh, the more recognizable parts or or uh, memorable moments? Uh, yeah, I, think, I mean, I think a lot of them will, we can touch on the character themes and stuff in, in, in a moment. But yeah, I think I think it was mostly the the mix like we got a fair amount of the the JLU music we certainly got electric guitar and and synthesizers but there's also a lot of I thought more season one and season two original Justice League music mixed in with more like horns and more fanfare and more like an epic uh you know more traditional uh, uh orchestral music brought in as well for some of it and they kind of fused that together in a very interesting way and I think like you said there's there's little elements at the beginning there when the Brainiac is explaining everything. You get this very sort of eerie, ominous feel to everything, um, uh, as as well. So yeah, and, and the the familiar character moments and themes. I think that's just the the blending of maybe the the traditional DCAU music with with still bringing in in the more in, maybe in moments where it felt more impactful, bringing in the the big screeching electric guitars. Uh, I think they, they made for a good, sometimes when you mix those two together, uh, sometimes it's better to leave one or the other, but I think in this case, mixing it together was actually a big plus because it, it gave it an epic scale in some of these big fight scenes, but you still had the, 
the punctuation uh, with that uh, that real crunchy electric guitar to uh, to let it set in as as, uh, as one of the big moments of the episode. No, I'm with you completely. the The reveal of the the Justice Lords, you get the uh, the Justice League Unlimited theme played, but it's definitely mm-hmm. it sort of veers off at the very end in a very minor, like an off kilter type uh, version of the theme. I really like that. Mm-hmm. But I think the the thing that continues to anytime I watch this episode, the thing that continues to uh, emit a reaction from me is the music that's played during the flash sequence. separation between Luthor and Brainiac and then he disappears again and he comes back and the music just starts to swell like that whole sequence is done so so well mm-hmm. every time I watch it I get goosebumps every time it's Absolutely. like so 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 good um, yeah and then ob- obviously when it comes to the very end and, and he disappears and then he they reconnect with him. You have the, you have the, you know, the ominous music that plays after Luthor thinks that he killed him and, you know, is Superman going to kill Luthor? And then once we get the reappearance, the sort of linking of arms of everybody, there's, you know, there's the swelling of the music there as they finally pull the flash out. And it's sort of uh, the, the song or the, the theme sort of descends at that point. But uh, that whole sequence alone was like, I, I don't have a choice. I'm giving this, a perfect 10 out of 10 just for that sequence like the other stuff's just icing on the cake like this is that was mm, chef's kiss really really good yeah absolutely um i i gave it the exact same score uh for a lot of the same reasons that you just mentioned that that whole flash sequence is amazing um one or two other minor notes you already mentioned the the jlu theme being played in a very different key mm-hmm. when the justice lords show up when uh when there's that sequence where everybody else is knocked down and then uh lex asks where's wonder woman and we sort of see her rising with the javelin in her hands mm-hmm. and they kind of, they sort of meld the wonder woman theme elements of that with some of that jlu theme as well and then you begin the you bring in the big crescendo for the explosion. Uh, I thought that was, uh, that was very clever as well. There's a lot of yeah. nice moments there. And then, yeah, bringing in a little bit of bringing that JLU theme back a little bit when they're, uh, when they're all pulling Wally out of the speed force at the end is also, it's also very good. And yeah. And, and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's good. And, and one of the choices I think they made, and this is ultimately, I think a sign of why these great composers composers worked on all of these series for so long and uh you know sat under the learning tree of the great shirley walker 
one of the things they also knew was when they didn't need to score a scene and that final little epilogue uh not that one the epilogue of of lois and clark in the daily planet there is no music in that scene Mm. um and i thought that was a really great choice because it allows as we'll talk about in a moment just the the two voice actors to to give all of the emotion and to have this kind of nice quiet peaceful ending to what has been such a dramatic and and overarching story for these two seasons of justice league unlimited and beyond as we've as we've talked about so uh the choice of when when to play and when not to play sometimes as we've said is 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 more important as well so i uh i thought a nice choice there to kind of lay out for that final scene as well so yes uh, a 10 out of 10 for me as well all right liam uh man Hard to believe it. Uh, we are in the final category for the final episode of the Cadmus story arc here. So let's bring it on home as we talk about our uh, small but mighty voice cast here of important people here. It's really a it's a who's who for not only this episode or for this show, but also, as we mentioned, there's some cameos by some characters from from other shows. Uh, so let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about this week's voice acting. Absolutely. So in uh, in very minor roles, we have we do have Robert Forrester returning as the president. And uh, and we have, of course, the great CCH founder. We're going to we're going to do a character spotlight on on probably Amanda Waller and the whole Cadmus arc at some point in to. the future. Um, so this will not be the last time we talk about her. She doesn't get a lot to do in this last one, but she does kind of get to put a little button on things where she she has the opportunity to let the president call in an airstrike and she, she talks him down from it. I think it's a nice, uh, nice little button on her, her perhaps learning a lesson through, uh, uh-huh. through all of this as She's well. She's in a different place than where she was when mm-hmm. just last episode, when she jumped the line and sent the, sent the ultimate in to fight the justice league. Absolutely. So she, uh, she learned a lesson, uh, but uh, also in the episode uh, briefly, we do have Dana Delaney as Lois Lane right at the end there and her playing off of, uh george newburn i like like we talked about a few episodes ago when we reviewed uh question authority um not not her superman not the one she worked with for for several years on her show um and there's not a lot asked of her but i do think like i said making that as sort of a a bookend to that conversation that superman and lois have uh a few episodes prior uh having her sort of just expressed to to clark now kind of how she how she looks at it and how and how she sort of views the justice league after the latest round of uh of heroics and and after the press conference i think is uh you know never going to complain about here and dana delaney as, as lois lane in this uh in this episode of course not but uh elsewhere of course we do briefly in the briefly but impactfully we do have ken schreiner as the green arrow this not only puts a button on the arguments that Green Arrow and Superman had in previous episode, mm-hmm. it's full circle back to the very first episode of this series mm-hmm. when when Green Arrow asks, "What are what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. What why am I on this place when you have people like Superman and Wonder Woman? Why do you need a guy like me?" And mm-hmm. Batman tells him because we need someone to to keep us honest to keep us in check to remind us of what it is we're supposed to be doing here mm-hmm. and he gives that speech to superman and uh and the interaction between between mr schreiner and and uh and kevin conroy is batman as you mentioned the uh the who guards the guardians line thrown out there is is great because that really does put a button on 
it's it's another question another kind of funny meme question that you will see thrown around a lot on you know uh uh on uh on the on the twitters and and, and reddits and things like that it's like why why do we need a guy that could shoot arrows right on on a superhero team right that has guys that can fly and shoot lasers out of their eyes and whatever it's like well this is why yep. <laughs> you know they and and mr shriner's performance as it has been throughout all you know i pretty much every appearance he's had in these first two seasons he's uh he brought it here and uh, uh again it's very he's got about 40 seconds in this episode but boy does he make him count some kind of you guys can handle this i've got work back in gotham You've got my number. I think so. Quiz custodia dipsos custodius. Who guards the guardians? We got it covered. Yeah, like I said, I, I literally wrote down, I was like, Green Arrow gives the Rocky speech. Like, he's got to mm-hmm. give the pump-up speech to Superman and the rest of the leaguers as to why they're needed. Like, hey, like, this is this is what we do. Like, this is what you're here for. Like, Hey, if you want to, if you want to take your ball and go home, by all means, he, I love it. He's like, we'll throw you a parade. Like, great. But if you're quitting because you think that you need to, in a, like a self-righteous huff, like that, let's not do that. You you're still needed around here. Tremendous. Every line that he delivers in that, in that, uh, in that, that little particular speech he gives is, is, uh, is really strong. And as as a character that uh, you know that didn't have a ton of lines for this particular episode, you know, you never know when things were recorded or what have you. If it was all recorded in one one session, or if they brought him in just for a single session for this episode. But either way, he didn't have a ton of lines for this particular episode. But that did not dampen his passion and his ability to like deliver that deliver that particular set of lines uh, for for the speech. So yeah, but double thumbs up for Mr. Schreiner. Absolutely. And uh, elsewhere, before we get to our main leaguers, uh, we, of course, have our our two main villains of this episode. And what a pair, as they always are when they interacted in previous series, uh, getting getting the band back together here. We have Clancy Brown as Lex Luthor and Corey Burton as Brainiac. And a fun thing is that most of the dialogue is said by both of them. I mean, they, we do have that that conversation, as we mentioned. It's very exposition-heavy in the first scene. The scene where they're walking in the, in the sewer, I think, is is a lot of fun, where where Lex is still kind of, even at this point, when he's had his body taken over by a, another worldly robot, he's still, the wheels are still turning. Uh, obviously, Clancy Brown, not uh, not surprisingly, doing a great job there. But then, yes, Every line for the rest of the series, it creates an interesting, an interesting dynamic where they're saying everything in unison, which is a credit to the sound design because you can still very audibly hear Corey Burton delivering those lines in the very monotone Brainiac voice and the very, you know, just dripping with, you know, with, uh, you know, with, with uh, arrogance and, uh, and this lust for power that Lex has always had that's now seemingly in this moment uh shock of all shocks Corey burton and and clancy brown do a great job in this episode <laughs> you mean two incredible voice actors in their own right when you combine them into a single voice are just absolutely fantastic yeah it's uh yeah kudos to them and deciding like how they were going to do this that they weren't gonna you know you could have done uh, voice direction to have Clancy Brown sort of mimic the cadence 
of Corey Burton in their sort of robotic fashion or in vice versa. You could have given a little bit more character to the Corey Burton voice. But the fact that they were like, no, we're going to have you deliver your lines exactly as you would normally. And we're just going to layer them on top of each other to give Mm -hmm. you this hybrid voice. Uh, Yeah. Brilliant decision. I don't know if that we credit that to Andrea Romano as the idea or, or what have you, but either way, the fact that they were the sound designer, whoever decided that was uh, extra, extra points and kudos for that because, you have two of the goats and then they're layered on top of each other it's just it's mind-blowing how how fun that that whole idea is that all right these characters are combined at this point let's just have them both deliver the lines absolutely a really really great touch there to uh, to do that yeah credit to uh andrea romano and and uh and and everyone else working here for there and then yeah we have our our main justice leaguers we already touched on a few briefly we'll just run them all down and then we could talk about what stands out, but we have Phil Lamar playing Green Lantern and Steel and uh, Justice Lord Green Lantern. We have Carl Umbley as the Martian Manhunter. We have Michael Rosenbaum as the Flash and Android Flash. We have Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman, Kevin Conroy as Batman, Maria Canales Barrera as Shaira, and of course as Android Hawk Girl. And uh, and of course George Newburn as Superman and uh, and uh, and Justice Lord Android Superman as well. Um, yeah, this is like we said, it's a lot of punching, so there aren't a lot of moments. But I think, like we said, that last four or five minutes from from George Newburn's uh, "I'm not the man who killed President Luthor," as we talked about, that's that's a very special scene. Him playing off of. Clancy Brown's Lex, who has been pushing his buttons for years, really, but you know, even just in these more recent episodes, going back to the the, the Clash episode with Captain Marvel and all of that, like uh, George Newbern giving this moment of you still feel the righteous anger in his voice when he's giving that speech. He's not shaking it off like it didn't hurt him. It didn't frustrate him. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't still maybe see himself or want to think of a world where he could have crossed that line. But he knows in this moment, he's made that decision that he will not cross this line. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tour de force again, even though there's most, it's mostly punching. I think the moments for, for George, uh, for George Newburn, especially, and then also, uh, Maria Canales and uh, and of course Michael Rosenbaum also uh, a lot uh, a lot to show for their time as well. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I, I don't think there's much to add for your comments about uh, Mr. Newburn's performance. Like, there's it's it's great and uh, it's that the emotion that he has to convey in the various different parts here, um, especially after the the sort of the restrained anger of uh, of, of holding off on killing Lex. And really driving home the fact that he is angry. He's he he wants to kill Luthor, but he's not that person. Like he wishes he could want to kill Luthor. I guess is, is yes drives home. So um, yeah, Michael Rosenbaum. I get. I guess I sh- I should have thought about this when we were talking about when when I was talking about like oh this is they decided this was the Flash's story arc. Well, the idea that the whole thing hinges on whether or not the Flash lives or dies, I guess that really does make him one of the main focal points of this whole storyline. It's just yes. not necessarily it's not in the forefront for for the last like two episodes until we get to the idea that oh yeah, 
we have the literal scene played out with the shotgun and and such it, that they're going to kill the flash so yeah michael rosenbaum's performance as as the flash he gets that uh, you know, get some some funny lines as we talked about, as per usual. Uh, he plays off of himself as the android Flash that he doesn't really have the ability to, like, call out any insecurities other than what, like, we assume. It's, it's not like the insecurities from a Justice Lords episode because he didn't have a Justice Lords doppelganger, as we talked about. So this is all just general insecurities that the Flash himself may have based on his age, uh, his skill set, the, you know, the fact that he's not as mature as everybody else on the team, stuff like that. So uh, playing off of himself is really fun. But uh, yeah, that, that final sequence of him coming back and him being like drained from being in the speed force, talking about not being able to come back. I thought that was pretty strong too. And, and even Miss, uh, Miss, Miss uh, Canales also, I think her, her uh her performance in, in reaching out to the flash and that i liked that her little brief uh, interaction with phil lamar as they're joking back and forth about their <laughs> relational past you gotta love that uh, absolutely yeah. solid solid performances all the way around i think the strongest coming from uh mr newburn more than likely even Ke- even kevin conroy get some get some good brief dialogue mm-hmm. in there also and uh, we'd be remiss not to talk about the the implications of uh of Batman and Wonder Woman's little uh, <laughs> little flirtation at the press conference. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they have a nice little interaction where she mentions the fact that she might have his phone number mm-hmm. uh, in case he's needed. He's got to go back to Gotham because uh, he and remember he's a part timer. That's Don't right, part timer. <laughs> but Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman might have his phone number. Might be able to give him a call when needed. So, uh, yeah. Uh, unsurprisingly some good good work from you have the the main seven back together again and mm-hmm. uh you, you pair them with these giants of of the industry of clancy brown and and uh and uh and uh dana delaney and and everybody else so yeah and Corey burton not not surprising that uh they came out with a, a really strong episode that didn't rely on a whole lot of dialogue so i think that speaks even more to it so for all mm-hmm. those reasons i ended up with a 10 out of 10 for mine. I, I don't know how I could give it, but a 10 out of 10. These guys are all, these guys and gals are just incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. 10, 10 out of 10 for me as well. Um, if I didn't, uh, if I didn't give it enough credit, I, the moment where uh, the flash is in the speed force and, you know, <laughs> uh, Michael Rosenbaum, he's very, he's gone like very hippie, hippie new wave. It's a speed force. It's calling me home. And the, the just like the fear and the panic in uh, Maria Canales Barrera's voice as Hawkgirl in that moment where she where she reaches into the portal and is just calling to him, I think is is just just great, just great. Um, and Michael Rosenbaum's exhausted nature after they they do manage to pull him out of the portal is great too. So uh, just uh, just absolutely perfect. Uh, great great job by everybody around. Uh, not unexpectedly, perhaps. There you go. All right, Liam. Well, that will begin to wrap things up here. So let's get our final scores for this final episode of the Cadmus arc. Totaling everything up with my scores, I end up with a strong 34 out of 40. What about you? And I ended up just a little bit higher with a final score of 37 out of 40. Ah. Um, 
which does in fact push it into the top picks. Any episode that we have of uh, 36 or higher goes into that section. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we don't really need to talk like, like for every episode this yeah. month, we yes. don't have to talk about rewatchability because it's the grand, again, we have our, our literal epilogue, which we will cover some off sometime 50 years from now, whenever now is on this show. But uh, for the main portion of this arc, this is the end. This is this is what it was all leading to, and it, as you said, it ties up not just uh, knots from uh, ties bows, not on just what this show and the previous series of Justice League was uh, was working on, but even uh, put some uh, put some bows on things from Superman and and things like that. So a lot uh, a lot a lot going on here no choice double thumbs up for uh, for rewatchability here it's uh, it's it's what it was all leading to so it's required viewing if you're doing a DCAU watch you cannot Absolutely. skip this episode uh, mandatory watch enough said all right, Liam. Well, that will begin to wrap us up for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget, uh, we would love your support for the podcast. If you enjoy it, there's multiple ways to do so. Uh, first and foremost, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. If your favorite podcast app allows you to leave a review, uh, leave us a five-star review. That helps us out a lot. Uh, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and uh, you decide to leave a little blurb, tweet or drop us a DM uh, notifying. Uh, we don't always check those those reviews every single week. Uh, Liam, we actually have our latest review that I would love to read to you right now. It is a five-star review, uh, courtesy of Zach Channing. And it says, excellent. This is the best in all caps, podcast out there for lovers of the DCAU. Cal and Liam have the best format, the best conversations. The pod is the highlight of my Saturday morning. Wow. Oh, so cool. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. Uh, we, we've interacted with Zach a little bit on the, on socials as, uh, as anyone can He'd like to reach out to us, whether privately by DM or by leaving a comment or, or, Xing us or whatever you call it these days. Uh, we we love talking with you guys. Zach always has a a great deal of uh, uh, feedback and, and always gives their gives his own thoughts as well. So uh, really appreciate. As we always say, we know that can be a hassle, but it does it does help us out when when someone leaves a review. So uh, many thanks to Zach for leaving that review. Zach, drop us a DM this week, uh, either in uh, your Twitter or uh, on Instagram. If you want to slide into those DMs, we have a little thank you gift for you as a, as a shout out uh, to you. So uh, if you would like to join the ranks of Zach and hear your own review read here on the podcast and maybe receive a little thank you gift, uh, do so. And, uh, and send us a tweet or send us in the DMs letting us know that you dropped the review or if we discover it later on, we'll make sure uh, to, uh, to try and give you a shout out and uh, let you know to come collect your, your little prize. Uh, open to U.S. residents only. Sorry, guys, I'm not, not spending thousands of dollars to, to mail a little <laughs> thank you gift out to you for leaving a review. But if you're in the continental U.S., uh, feel free to, uh, to leave a review. And uh, we thank you for everybody that has taken. We're uh, we're almost up to thirty reviews here, averaging at four point eight stars. Yeah, but shout out to the coward that gave us a one star review, but didn't tell us why they don't like us. <laughs> Listen, if you're gonna leave a review saying that you don't like the podcast, at least tell us how we can improve, please. 
You know, just to be clear, we will not read a one star. We're only reading the five star, but we'll <laughs> we'll look at it. We're we'll not going to read it on the show. That's we're, right. We're not going to read it on the show if you give us one star. But <laughs> you know, we'll we'll look at it. That's right. We'll look at it. You're not getting a thank you gift also for leaving a one star review. Correct. Five star reviews only. Fives only. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you can also leave a five star review. No blurbs, but five star reviews on Spotify as well. And uh, thank you so much for subscribing to us on whatever podcast app you listen to that helps us out. Don't forget, as Leah mentioned, uh, follow us on social media at DCAU Review, both on X slash Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, and on Instagram. Uh, we get some great stuff that goes up there. Lots of good conversing between fans. Lots of exciting stuff. We are eagerly anticipating more news about Batman Cape Crusader. Feels like it could happen any day now that we'll get the uh, the information about where that's coming up. So that'll be an exciting time to talk about things other than the standard DCAU that we love so much. But lots of stuff. Liam's been talking about the uh, the latest Superman cartoon a lot, always talking comics. It's a great way to interact with us. It's one of our favorite things to do. So uh, follow us and interact with us that way. Also, if you want to support the podcast, you can check out the show notes. There is a link to support the podcast directly with a monthly donation. We're about to lose one of our podcast sponsors because spotify is changing the way that they do ads shout out to spotify uh and uh so if you want to support us we will greatly appreciate that there's a link to do so we have some lovely generous people that support us in the while liam and i to get a monthly coffee you know get a cup of coffee here or there that helps us out a lot thank you for those that that donate your hard-earned dollars but listen we're not gonna sit here and beg for your money uh you know times are hard so it, just listening to the podcast is something that we, we greatly appreciate. So if you feel generous and you want to do that, the link is in the show notes, as is the link to the store if you want to get yourself a piece of merchandise to support the podcast that way. Liam, we are, as we mentioned, we've wrapped up season two of Justice League Unlimited here. We have two weeks left in this month of, se- of September. We have five Saturdays. So that means we know there's an Elseworlds on the horizon, but what are we doing next week with this strange gap? Where are we going to start a new season? Are we switching shows? What's going on? Uh, no, we're going to go to another tried and true old favorite for uh, when we're looking to uh, to fill a gap in the schedule. And we don't have a, a necessarily uh, relevant episode to put in there. We're gonna we're gonna press pause on JLU for at least a little while here. Give us some time to breathe before we maybe start looking into that last season, or or uh, maybe create another character themed month or something to get back into it uh, eventually. But uh, next week we will stay in the Justice League uh, family, so to speak, and we will be hitting up a character spotlight of one of the few remaining original seven Justice Leaguers that has not gotten one yet, and uh, that is Batman. Just kidding. That would take... <laughs> that's that's a 10-hour pot. You, you're going to have to pay us to do that. Uh, Batman, Batman character spotlight volume one of 1,000. <laughs> yeah, it would... It, yeah, that's... Whew, I don't even know how we would break begin to break that break down a Batman or a Superman one, but the... you really have to take like Batman's interactions with one particular character or something. I don't know. Bring yeah, some... you, yeah, just you your have... ideas. <laughs> yeah, if you have an idea of how we could possibly tackle the Batman or Superman uh, 
even even Wonder Woman would be complicated, but at least she's only in like two shows. Like, <laughs> right? Um, but yes, uh, we will be doing a spotlight on Martian Manhunter John Jones himself. That was something I was thinking about today. They never really call him Martian Manhunter in this show, That's so correct. maybe we'll look into uh, we'll look into that. I want to know if they ever actually say the words Martian Manhunter in this show. Uh, I feel like I know I knew the answer at one point, but I can't remember at the moment. So we're going to be looking at every single season one of Justice League appearance of Jean next week, as well as uh, as we always do with these character spotlights. We'll look at some tie in comics. We'll look at uh, some toys and then statues, maybe. And then also, uh, uh, as always, maybe we'll look at the the very early comic book origins of the character as well. So lots to look forward to. I always love doing those character spotlights. So uh, looking forward to that for next week. It'll also give you an opportunity to talk about uh, Carl Lumbly and him getting robbed of, uh, of an award. So and another reason to bring that right. uh, that that uh, irritating factoid. I, I will be back on my soapbox next week. Don't you worry. All right, we're we're getting it we're getting it prepared. We'll reinforce it just in case you get hopping mad. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a blast though. Can't wait to, to spotlight the Martian Manhunter next week, John Jones. But until then, I'm Cal and I'm Liam, and we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye bye.